I doubt if there is any problem, social, political, or economic, that would not melt away before the fire of such a spiritual undertaking. Yeah, the last time we were talking about this subject, I was sitting in Assisi, drinking limoncello. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was not a good time. I went up, I was so mad by everything the day after because it came out yeah. on Friday, uh, the Mono Proprio. Um, and then like the next day, I was so mad. I went up to like St. Francis's Hermitage and just chilled out there for like a day. <laughs> it's like I was so perturbed. Yeah, <laughs> happy oh, about it. but it was it's good. Night. Now I don't have any mountains to chill out on, <laughs> which I did. Well, you got the you got the smokies nearby. Yeah, I got some stuff going on. So um, yeah. maybe, but there's not exactly like there's not no hermitages to go exactly. sit in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe some still. Maybe yeah, I was gonna say you might find a moonshine yeah. still. You can <laughs> that might, yeah, that. that might actually help better than at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> might need that more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Vatican, or I think it was the Congregation for Liturgy or some sort, some divine curious. worship, right? Yeah, some I forget what the decassery or decannery or something um, came out with um, a statement or responding to the dubia um, of some different questions that had came up from since the motu proprio had been promulgated back in, I believe it was July, if I remember it correctly, yep. like mid-July. No, no, it wasn't mid, eh, yeah, roughly mid-July or so. Um, and then there were, when I first read that document, there were a couple of things that like didn't really make sense to me. Mm-hmm. When I read it, that I understand well, like I'm kind of, I guess I'm glad they cleared it up, even though I'm not particularly happy with the way they answered it. But the one yeah. where it was the one that was interesting to me, interest uh, Tridionis Custodes, was the whole idea that you couldn't use parish churches as the place to have the Eager Latin Mass community. Um, and I think then a lot of bishops then invoked, I forget which canon it was, was it 47? You know what? I'm actually not sure. I hadn't heard about this. So, well, a lot of them invoked uh, one of the canon. I think it was canon 47 or is 87 um, that specifically said that the bishop kind of has jurisdiction in this area and they're dispensing with it because they don't really have any other options at this point. The right. other weird thing about um, the thing that ca- the document that came out in July was you can have such a thing called a personal parish, mm-hmm. which is focused on a specific ethnic or uh, spirituality of some yeah. sort. And it would seem like that would be the best option then for the Latin mass is you in the parish or in your diocese, you don't want to give a parish over to like the FSSP or something. You still want to have control of it, but it's going to be kind of like, this is the spot where you go for the Latin mass. Yeah. But um, the document though also said that they couldn't make any more of those. Yeah. So right. it's kind of like, well, what's what are you supposed to be doing at this point? It doesn't yeah. didn't make as much sense. But what was interesting about this response to the dubia that came out um, on Saturday um, is that it really did clarify, at least from my perspective when I read through it, that the Vatican and Pope Francis, whoever's with him, the Curia, whoever's writing these documents, very strongly does not want the Latin Mass to be part of a parish structure. That's yeah. what I got out of reading it. They seem to be making some exceptions for um, like FSSP chapels mm-hmm. um, and oratories. But as far as having it as part of the life of the parish, 
that's something that's just no bueno anymore. And they just don't want, they just don't want it to be part of it. Yeah. Um, that's when you got to some very, from my perspective, very pedantic declarations, like you couldn't promote mass times in the bulletin or on the parish literature. Yeah. And you're Did- kind of sitting there guys like guys, the, the pettiness of it was almost unbecoming because it was like, yeah. you guys have world hunger. Uh, you have world conflicts. You have the Uyghurs in China. Yeah. You have maybe a world. You have the Catholics war. in China. You have the Catholics in China. You might have a world war starting either in Taiwan or Ukraine. And you guys are promulgating uh, information on what parishes need to be putting in their bulletin. Um, I just, it just, it was just kind of like, you guys got to be kidding me. Like it's, so I mean, awesome. right. You would expect there to be, if anything was coming out major out of the Vatican, you would expect an encyclical condemning religious persecution or, you know, I don't know, something like pointed, but also more appropriate for the main things that are happening in the world. Um, You would think the day-to-day things of what's being printed in your parish bulletin is within the parameters of the diocese and that that just the curia has just better fish, bigger fish to fry. (laughs) Are you, or are you not putting 12 or 15 character mass times in your in your bulletin like yeah that's a that's a weird auto de fe question (laughs) no that's the question you're like that's what put me on the stake for heresy yeah like but i I, think what go ahead go ahead oh no no go ahead no but so it was in the very first question there was this issue of of parishes being brought up and i have a quote from it yeah um um, the exclusion, and so this is when they're asking about whether, like, where can we put the, uh, where can we put, where can we do the Latin Mass? Yeah. And they say essentially, you need to ask the Curia permission um, for use of a parish to have the TLM. Yeah. And in that very first response, they say the document says this is the new one. The exclusion of the parish church is intended to affirm that the celebration of the Eucharist, according to the previous rite, being concession limited to these groups which is tlm groups is not part of the ordinary life of the parish community and what really frustrates about me frustrates this uh, on many levels for me is if there's a byzantine community in your area and they want to use your uh, church facility at some awful hour like you know three or four p.m on a saturday sunday afternoon or something or you have an anglican ordinariate community that wants to do it in the afternoon. Yeah. Right. There's no, like the greatest amount of authority you're probably going to have to go to is your own Bishop. And then the Bishop, or I don't know what it is in the Byzantine, right. I was trying to think of what the correct ecclesiological term would be, but I'm not going to even try, but you'd probably like at the end of the day, have to go to the bishops because that's the deal. But yeah. it, it really seems like this document is going out of its way to try to separate the TLM from the regular parish life as much as possible down to the very bulletin. Yep. And there's just there's something weird about that level of of just focus on it's it's this separate this idea that you're separating this community from the rest of the community, which then, doesn't correspond with how most parishes that have a traditional Latin mass are run. 
Yep. It just doesn't correspond to the, like, it seems so utterly kind of disconnected from what, what's on the ground yeah. that we live with on a Sunday to Sunday basis. Absolutely. I mean, for the first thing, it's kind of, I don't even like, it's so odd that you want to, in the name of unity, separate people. Yeah. Even more. Yep. Create otherness. Yeah. And all in the name of unity, which is, you know, I'm, I, I think that's like, you know, obviously that's absurd. Um, and then to also, to your point, just about how every, like Sunday to Sunday, I, I mean, in my experience, it is entirely possible for a Latin mass community to be involved in parish ministries, parish councils, parish finance councils, be involved, go to, you know, past parish events all together with the Novus Ordo crowd. Mm-hmm. In fact, in my experience, you'll see a lot of TLM people going to Novus Ordo masses when it's more convenient for them. Yeah. Like if you have a, um, a holy day of obligation that they can't make the Latin mass, but they can make the, we'll go to the Novus Ordo. I mean, while we're, I think the Vatican is taking a very small microcosm, mm-hmm. a minuscule microcosm of people who would still be in communion with Rome at this moment and then still hold that the Novus Ordo mass is not valid. Yeah. I, I would be hard pressed. You'd have to really prove to me that there is a significant number of people who have not joined the set of the conscious movement who would say that the Novus Ordo mass is not a valid form of the yeah. mass. Yep. I, I think that, you know, they're sure people probably, yeah, prefer Latin mass. Sure. Or upset when there are liturgical abuses. Absolutely. But I think most people that I know, and it, you really would have to show me the numbers to say otherwise, but most people who are still in union with Rome mm-hmm. are fine with there being a, a new order of the mass yeah. or at, like fine with its existence, assent to its validity. And we'll even attend it on occasion. Yeah. Um, so, the, think, so where this is coming from seems very odd. Exactly. Because the idea is that there was this poll or there was this like census of what's going yeah. on with the Latin mass in, in these parishes. And I like, I would really, really, really like to see the results yeah. of those, which they've never published. Of course not. Because the way they're writing these documents, the initial document in July, now this one, they just came out in December. The way they seem to be talking about the TLM movement doesn't really seem to be to correspond again, like what I said with what's going on in the ground, yeah. on, not in the ground, on the ground, is because they continue to act as if that the TLM movement right now is a group of dying boomers who maybe have a year at most and who just can't get over the fact that the mass changed in the late sixties and early seventies and that they're just holding on to that, like Bing Crosby bells of St. Mary type aesthetic. And they just, they can't let it go, but we'll service them and let them have their thing. And then they die and then it's over. And they don't realize that. I mean, again, this is why I'd like to look at that survey or who was actually asked in that survey or Yep. What, what, what areas were focused on it? Like anything with that survey, because going to any Latin mass 
across the United States, you clearly see that the old person who still remembers the Latin mass of their, of their youth is few and far between to like a substantial, a substantially tiny minority of the people who are actually at the Latin mass on a daily, on a Sunday, on a Sunday, on a Sunday basis. Yeah. And the idea that it's just, we're hanging out. We're just going to let you guys do your thing. It's going to roll off and this is all going to go away. Just seems so incongruent with reality. Now, again, the cynical side is like, they know that and they don't care. Um, Well, which is you kind of makes you wonder a little bit. Well, I was going to bring up, but yeah. Well, one of the, one of the things that they said in the response to the dubia is that no priest ordained after tradition Iona's custodias or have custodias tradition Iona's. It's 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 TC. TC tradition is custodias. It's called the TC. TC. Any priest ordained after TC has to get permission from Rome, not from their bishop, not yeah. from Rome to say the Latin Mass. Yeah. And so they know that there's an entire generation of young trads that are coming through the seminaries right now. Yeah especially in the United States and I'm sure in parts of Canada and Europe who are trying to hold on to this, they're being influenced by, you know, I think we're probably, I don't know how many generations in, but there's already a group of guys who are already ordained and have been obviously doing this for a while and that they've recruited like-minded young men probably to join the seminaries. Yep. And so they're trying to cut that off. Yep. Um, because I'm sure they're, they, I'm sure maybe they pulled the seminaries and said, "How many of you guys would like to say Latin Mass when you get ordained?" I'm, I'm going to get that. May have been part if they're smart. That'd be part of the survey. Yeah, and um, and so there's a reason why they put that they promulgated that they felt a need to cut that off at the past. The number of priests who are coming out of the seminaries who are going to be interested in saying Latin Mass. Yep. And this is the thing that absolutely kills me about this is the, the church is at its best. I think from a historical standpoint, when it's, when it's reading the room correctly yeah, and when the hierarchy and when the clergy is getting a good understanding of where the, where the lady is, on a spiritual basis and just kind yeah. of on, on an aesthetic basis and they respond accordingly and they, they yeah. finesse it to make sure that it's within the bounds of, of orthodoxy, but they respect that the laity isn't just completely that the lady is a flock, but yeah. it's not an idiotic flock that has absolutely no clue about what's working for them. Yeah. at a deeply spiritual level that there is some agency involved and that you respond according. doesn't mean you go in with everything that the clergy that pops into the ladies head, I should say, oh, of course not. you understand and you, you work with it. And the thing that really weirded me out about um, the response to the dubia is it just, it's weird because it seems like the Vatican now has this very rigid idea of liturgy where yeah. it's like, guys, we gave you the Novus Ordo. This is what it is. And yeah. you got to be happy with it. Like, yep. no, you, you, you don't go to bed until you finish your vegetables kind of thing. Like, yeah. no, it's good. We got this. We got you this Novus Ordo and you got to accept it. And yeah. it's interesting because, again, 
when you look at the age demographic of the Latin mass, it's primarily a lot of young people who are just like, I don't know, it's like the, like the, the accidents, obviously not the substance, but the accidents yeah. of the Nova Sordo just like, it just doesn't kind of work. It just, it's it doesn't more, It's more, it just yeah. it's weird, happy. Like it just seems kind of normal and not a transcendental. And the TLM is really kind of weird and cool and interesting. And it has these weird incense stuff. And you say things in Latin. It's like, oh, this is really interesting. This really appeals to a spirituality of a transcendent. And it's going to that. And the clergy, or I just say the Vatican's response is like, no, we gave, no, listen, this is what we need you to do. Um, And I think what's also interesting is that um, it goes in with a lot of other anecdotal things I've been reading or or talking to with people about, because we did the one episode a while back about the conversion rates. And part of it was the conversion rates to Judaism. And I don't know if I brought it up in that episode, but I was reading an article about particularly about the, it was, it was a Jewish article talking to rabbis across the country of why are people who either are Christian or they're just really not Mm -hmm. religious period. Why are they becoming Jewish? And the response from a lot of rabbis was, People want to be grounded in something historic, in something yeah. bigger than themselves, in some sort of liturgy, in some sort of like spiritual genealogy. Yep. And that's why they're that's why they're converting to Judaism. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a um, who's a Methodist minister, and he said, because we were talking about the, the Latin Mass, uh, this is a while ago, and he said it's the same thing for the Methodists. It's well, the, it's the younger people who want a more who want a liturgy that's more solemn, that's more reverent, that's more focused and not kind of shooting from the hip. Yeah. And so it's interesting when you look across this spectrum that it's these, it's people and especially young people are very much reaching for something that has depth and that has historic historicity to it. And it has this, again, I use the term, but I think it's a good one. There's like genealogy of spirituality behind it. Yeah, that, 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 and it's not just in the Catholic Church, but this is a pulse that's happening in many different religious communities. Because if you're going to go against the world, and if you're going to live a life that's contrary to the world, you want the outward manifestations of that life to not be cringe. Yes. Oh, totally. You, you know, it's it's hard enough to like not just go and live your kind of regular, normal, secular life, and it's even kind of harder when there isn't this backdrop of the majesty and the tradition of history, which again is something, this is not to say everyone in the Catholic Church is of this position, but it's something that since Benedict the 16th opened up the Latin mass in 2007, 2008 with Suarem Pontificorum, it has taken off and so many more people are getting involved with it. Why would you try to stop it? It's like the Gamaliel prophecy in Acts when they they arrest peter and john and gamaliel or Gam- Gamal- gamaliel or however you say his exact name is like guys if this is from man and he goes through the whole long laundry list of everyone who got all messed up and kind of fell apart if this is from man it's not going to go anywhere if it's from god it's going to take off and we don't want to be on the wrong side of god yeah okay using this principle Yep. why are you so rigid in this idea that it has to be this exact version of the novus ordo yeah that was decided on in the 70s almost a generation ago and it has to stick to this 
I might be putting myself in something of an idiosyncratic camp right now because this might not be a position that many trads would agree with. But the point of liturgy is that it evolves and changes with the time Mm. um, and that it, it responds and reacts and has a back and forth with the people who are actually participating in that liturgy. Um, right. The whole reason why the priest holds up the host during the consecration is because in the 13th century, a bunch of Italians kept on badgering the clergy to hold up the host so that they themselves could also adore it, adore the, 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 um, could adore the host. Yeah. And it's this, it's this lay involvement in the liturgy and this desire to have that participation of seeing the host and then to adore that the clergy eventually ends up responding to and institutes it within the liturgy. That's yeah. how liturgy works. There's organic growth there. And it's yeah. not static in the sense because every trad will be like, well, the council, the mass of Trent was exactly, no, it's different. It's changed. It's not exactly like the medieval mass, which isn't exactly like the early mass. Fine. Yeah. Get that. But the point is, is that there's a very obvious organic development within the youth in the church. And these documents that have came out are not being responsive to that organic development, which is what fuels um, liturgical. I don't want to say, what am I trying to think here? It, it's what fuels the changes that makes the liturgy a responsive aspect of your spiritual life. Yes. And they're just kind of ignorant. Like, no, we, again, we gave you the Novus Ordo. Be happy with it. Yeah. So, and I, I'm not going to open the can of worms with Vatican II. I was about to, but I'm not going yeah, to. Let's, um, let's not go. Let's, let's stick yeah, on let's stick um, But the, you, you were talking about the historiosity of um, the Latin Mass and being connected to something larger than yourself, um, doing something that matters. And I also wanted to kind of highlight, you know, you get all these people who like, well, Latin's a dead language and, you know, it's, it doesn't mean anything in all this. Mm -hmm. And there was, uh, I, I sent you the clip and it's mm -hmm. this amazing scene from a movie called, um, the English version is called Merry Christmas. It's a World War I movie. I think it came out in 2005. Um, and there's this amazing scene. It's this, the famous, um, events where German, English, French soldiers put down their arms on Christmas mm -hmm. and, you know, celebrated it together. Um, in this particular movie, I think the director did an amazing job of stuffing as much meaning into it mm -hmm. more than because I've, other people have like shown this and like, there's a commercial that showed it. Like this event, other movies have done it, but I haven't seen it done quite so well. So you have the trenches, it's at night, it's cold, everyone's sitting there, they're all miserable. And then the Scots, they pull out their bagpipes and they all sing, I, I think it's I Miss My Home, I think it's the song that they sing. It's in English. And so they're playing the bagpipes, they're singing, and then the Germans are listening, the French are listening. And then the Germans, a German singer, start singing Stille Nacht, so Silent Night in German. Mm -hmm. And the Scots recognize the tune, even though they didn't know German, they recognize the tune, and then mm -hmm. the Scottish piper started playing Silent Night on the pipes, and the German was singing with them. Oh. So you had the tune that was recognizable between all three, and the French recognized it too. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so they come out of their trenches, and they're all kind of sitting there looking at each other, like, what are we going to do now? And one of the Scottish pipers starts playing a Deste Fidelis on the pipe. 
on his pipes. And the German recognized it and started singing in Latin. And then, and then all the pipers started playing it. And then he's singing it as the finales. And then the scene cuts over to the French. One of the French guys is mouthing it. And you had these three Scottish, German, French, very, all very different, speak different languages, different backgrounds, but they all understood and knew that hymn, that Latin hymn mm-hmm. was what connected all three of those groups. Yeah. And I, I, like, it was a very powerful moment where it's like what connected Christian Europe Mm-hmm. other than the sacraments and, you know, Christ, obviously all those things. But as far as language goes, it was a Latin language that connected Christian Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just thought that that was really cool. And I think that people should kind of, instead of mocking Latin as a language, kind of re-embrace it, stop j- making a, a laughing stock because it really isn't. No. For hundreds of years, it was what connected it was what was able that it was the touching stone between all these different groups that didn't speak a similar language, but if they went to mass, they would understand the prayers that were being said at the mass, no matter where they went. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so that was just kind of, I, that was just kind of my pitch for stop calling it. I mean, while it's technically a dead language, Mm -hmm. it's also worth not mocking and like worth holding on to. Yeah. And they weren't even all Catholic. And no, the right. Like, probably Presbyterian. The French yeah. maybe were Catholic, and then Germans were probably some Catholic and some Lutheran. Some Lutheran, right? Exactly. They're all Christian. Yeah, and they all knew that. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think it's also interesting going off with that idea of because um, I know we've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast of, of language being a marker of identity. Yeah. And you look at again, you look at which religious orders um, are doing well, and it's it's the ones who take their identity seriously because I mean, again, all religious orders I'm sure take the, their identity and their charism um, seriously, but it's not just that, but it's also, especially it's the orders that take the markers of identity seriously. Yeah. Wearing the habit, having a more traditional liturgy, being marked out as something different and as something that has a long history that's linked with it. Yep. Very appealing in a world which generally is always trying to reject the historical past for yeah. many different reasons. Yep. And that there's this aspect to that life that marks you out as something special. And as maybe not something special, that doesn't um that's a little bit prideful, but as as something or as someone who's been consecrated towards a very distinct purpose yeah and there's a there's a power to that there's the witness to that and you can't really um manifest that witness if you just look like everyone else and then likewise again with the liturgy if the liturgy looks and sounds and smells just like any other um thing and sounds just like, you know, the same type of music you might listen to on, on the car radio. Hopefully it's not that bad, but you get my point. Yeah. When it's when the markers, when the accidental markers are such that they show a very distinct otherness, yeah, a very strong witness to, to the eternal. Those are attractive. Yeah. Those are very attractive to, to the youth, to middle-aged people, to just in general, to people who are searching for something beyond themselves. And again, yeah. it kills me that the Vatican and these responses to the dubia and the original document 
seem more concerned with holding on to this rigid ideal of we made the mass, we redid the liturgy, we set it up, we let it go. And you guys seemed, again, I, I don't want to overstate the numbers of the Latin mass, but a good number of you have in some capacity said that there's something lacking, accidentally speaking, of course, with that mass. Yep. And there seems to be a little bit of a frustration coming from the Vatican of why don't you guys just accept it? It's like that one meme, like, why can't you just be normal? Normal. I don't know. But you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just, but guys, like, this is this is the way forward. I'm not saying the Latin mass per, per se, because I'm not that hardcore about it, but getting something in line more than just kind of that's more than your run of the mill. And again, I go to the Novus Ordo during the week or, and I don't, it's, it's a, I'm not saying it's decent, but I don't feel like there's necessarily anything lacking. Yeah. Like when you do it, when you go to a Novus Ordo, that's just kind of your daily mass. Right. If it's well done and they're doing everything. But when you do, when you get to the Sunday liturgy, they're just, there's, a ceremony to it that just seems to be lacking that's present yep. in the Latin mass. And there's, yep. it just doesn't seem to be this kind of that summit for the week. It doesn't yeah. seem to work as well. Again, if that's your thing, I did, I'm not, not trying to dis this on it, but it just, there's, there's so, so much more that could be done with the Novus Ordo. And there is, I would argue there needs to be a thought process of rethinking through some aspects of it. Yeah. To bring it closer to its historical roots, which is the massive trend. And what concerns me is that there's no talk of that. The only yeah. lip service that the that the Vatican gave to the trad movement was dioceses need to be careful not to allow liturgical abuses to happen in the parishes. There wasn't any kind of you need to do a review of the parishes. Like they instructed them to do of the parishes, make sure that there wasn't dissent to Vatican II. There wasn't any kind of like, like through this entire process, it's you need to weed out set of a contest and we need to clamp down the Latin mass. There's been no effort to be custodians of tradition and ensure that priests aren't, you know, uh, abu like abusing the liturgy in any number of ways. Mm -hmm. which I'm sure is continuing to happen. Yeah. Like I, I, you go to almost any, I mean, I think, I don't think you're getting nearly as many like clown masses and things these days, but like even just having Protestant hymns yeah. and like, or non liturgical hymns in general, or use a Protestant hymn. You have people who won't even use there. There are churches I've heard use even like non liturgical music mm -hmm. in their mass. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's so, <laughs> Pardon me. Um, makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you would hope that, okay, fine. We're all going to, we're going to go through a process of fixing the problem, mm -hmm. but no, they're acting as if there is no problem mm -hmm. and that the Latin mass is just this almost pariah Latin mass group is a pariah that needs to be bled dry. Yeah. That they're the leech on the, on the church. And it's not a, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like sucking away, like a, it's sucking away at the uh, lifeblood of the parish. Like, no, it's it's at many points it's the Latin mass which is part of invigorating these parishes. Yes, which yeah. is again why this document is so disconnected from 
how so many parishes in the U.S. operate. Yeah. Like, no, it's it's usually you have great attendance at the Latin mass because they all take this seriously. And and what I'll also say, at least in my experience, when you have a vibrant Latin mass community, you also have a vibrant Novus Ordo community. Yes. You have like to, to think that it's like one or the other is very I think it, they help each other. Yep. And they inspire each other to to be more involved. Yeah. And to be, I think in my, this is just my opinion. Like this is my own, my own experience. I don't have any hard data, mm-hmm. but if you go to a church, if you go to a parish, uh, parish that does Latin mass and Novus Ordo, that Novus Ordo mass hardly ever will be liturgically abusive. True. Because it's going to be the same priest. It's going to be the same priest. And he's also going to have similar, uh, probably the same music director. And it's going to be, you know, it'll be more, in, obviously it'll be according to the rubrics of the Novus Ordo, mm-hmm. but it's going to not be abusive. It's going to be the same priest and it's going to be the same pe- people kind of running things. And it's going to be from both sides, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think the Novus Ordo crowd will look at the traditional Latin mass crowd and be like, okay, well, while we don't need all of that, let's have some reverence and make sure that the altar looks nice and that, you know, we're not you know, doing things that are weird. Let's, and then on the Latin mass side, I think they probably will look at the people who are Novus Ordo, who put in a lot of work volunteering in the parish and say, you know what? I probably should be doing that too. Yeah. And you have this incredibly vibrant parish. Yep. And that would be, in my opinion, a really good way to look at it instead of it being, it's that handful of weird families who, you know, come out of the woods every, you know, Sunday just for mass. And then they never see them again. Driving their that's, passenger van. Yeah, driving a 15-passenger like van sort of, from the compound. Sort of like it's like Catholic commune convoy or something. Yeah. It's like, like no, the front with a machine gun. <laughs> you come yeah, like, that's not how this is. I, carriers. I, I don't think that that's what's actually happening. I, I really do think that yeah. when you have a vibrant community of people who care deeply about the liturgy, it'll affect the entire pa- parish. Yep, it will. And, and vice versa as far as, you know, dedication to making sure that the parish is run properly and that the mission is there and all that. Um, and, and the, the trads there will be less weird. Oh, totally. Oh, absolutely. Interacting yeah. with like other, just kind of like regular people. They're not in their yep. like weird, like tratty, like integrationalist. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to, no, but you know, I, I think what we know yeah, they're not just sitting there like in their, their own echo chamber. They're interacting yeah. with other people. Okay, so there was one other thing that I really I noticed that um, that I thought was kind of weird. I want to read it, copy yeah. and paste it. Um, this is I forget which one is like the first or the second dubia, mm-hmm. um, and it says there is no intention in these provisions to marginalize the faithful who are rooted in the previous form of celebration. It's like. Oh, well, I had thought that the whole thing, like you couldn't even print the mass times on the parish bulletin was uh, marginalizing, but excuse me, I guess I, I read that one. Wrong. Yes. <laughs> right. Like whatever, you know, father, whatever feelings of marginalization is a mistake you know, on your yeah. part. You know, yeah. you know, you know, Father Constantius from the Ruthenian right down the road, who's offering divine liturgy can have his mass time or divine liturgy time, I should say, uh, advertised in the parish bulletin, but me, uh, I can't, but I shouldn't feel yes. marginalized. Um, they are only meant to remind them that this is an o- this is a concession to provide for their good in view of the common good for common use of the one 
Lex Orandi of the Roman right and not an opportunity to promote the previous right. Is it not just, is it just me or does that sound a little bit like Darth Vader when he says I've altered the deal, pray I don't alter it further. Like that's the, the vibe I got. It was a, it was just a very oddly written where we're not trying to marginalize you other than saying you can't use the parish church. Yeah. You can't pre- you know advertise the mass you can't have a priest who can say the Latin mass and the Novus Ordo in the same day. Yep. You know, we're the Pope is saying that he's trying to promote unity. Which, okay. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, yeah, but we're not trying to marginalize you. Like, yeah. I don't know. That one just kind of, uh, again, but again, it's, it's based off what we we're talking about that idea that they're looking at this as, as like, if we can just let a couple of the boomers who are still holding on to this die, then it'll be gone. And it's like, guys, it's, it's again, it's not, it's not that you don't understand what you're dealing with here. Like Benedict, Pope Benedict opened up Pandora's box and like people took full advantage of that and it started yep. to spread. Why is it again? Like I mentioned, I'm beating the dead horse horse here, but can you do it? If it took off, and if it's the center of a vibrant parish life, why are you trying to suppress it? Yep. It's like the guy who it's, and it, it goes back to the whole idea that, you know, we had the Vatican, second Vatican council, we have the new mass and that's how it's got to be. It's like, guys, it's, it feels a little bit like it's the individual who just is, you know, is doubling down on a stock that continues to lose him money. And he just, he's just not going to let go because he's just, he's, he's bought in and he's in for the long haul. And eventually it's going to go, it's going to turn up. I'm going to get those gains. And it's like, guys, no, you need, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to say cut your losses because I don't think if the Catholic church is going to in some, you know, trad fantasy where like all of a sudden, you know, we get, you know, Pope Pius the 13th, then he just goes through and everyone's got to say like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't even think that would be good for a lot of people yeah. um, in the Catholic church. Cause they would then themselves feel marginalized. Um, but the fact that it's doing so well should make you take pause and think, huh, why is this, why is this doing, why is this going the way it's going? Yep. This is me just looking at it from like, just like a, I don't know, just like a purely like temporal space, right? Your, your, your market is growing in this area with this quote unquote product. Again, to again, put it in just completely materialistic terms. You have two types of products. One product is doing, I wouldn't say anything better, but the people there are more regular customers. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about, and they're, they're repeat customers. And then your solution is, is you well personally don't like that product. So you're trying as best you can to restrict that product. Yeah. Is this like some McRib idea? Like we're just like make it so <laughs> right. not this is really Pope Francis trying to promote the Latin mass, but like it'll start trending on Twitter now and everyone will be upset and sad. There he, he's playing 4D chess and exactly. we're, we're, he's like, yeah. He's yeah. playing 4D chess with a time with a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know um, what I'm saying? Like, I don't I don't understand yeah. why it, if you really did take this survey, which again I'm kind of a little doubtful about how that was conducted, yep. you should come to the conclusion, at least based off of the US, that this is what's sustaining a lot of parishes and yes. is an important and integral part of that parish life, and that that's not the thing that you need to get rid of. So it's really interesting. As a I, 
your, your point about the U.S. is really important mm-hmm. because the U.S. church is very unique. And because we're in such a, um, it's kind of like the U.S. is, so, is such a different situation than so many other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. church is still largely a mission church. We're in a largely Protestant country. And we are trying to figure out our own spot as a influential Catholic country. Yeah. And, you know, we never been an American Pope, probably will never be an American Pope in our lifetime. Probably not. And very rarely do American Cardinals like get put into top positions like they get in the curry every once in a while, but it's almost always from Europe and it's almost, or even from like a lot of Africans have become very, you know, get very powerful. So the U S is in this spot where they're, they rely on like when it comes to the curry, we're relying on sympathy people who are sympathetic to the American conservative movement to kind of speak on our behalf within Mm -hmm. the curry itself. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we're also trying to figure out how do we deal with this situation where you have a country who's running headfirst into a liberal secularism and we need to hold on to something. And we found something to hold on to as a country, as an American Catholics who mm-hmm. want to you know, be able to raise their kids, mm-hmm. become Catholic. And for whatever reason, the most charitable thing I can think of is that for whatever reason, that doesn't translate well into whatever's happening in Italy. Whatever's yeah. happening in Italy is a different thing. Yeah. I, that, mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can think of. Yep. And so the Italians in the Korea are like, what, what's wrong with these Americans? They just want to rebel. They just don't, they, they're disobedient. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I, that is so far removed from what I, what's actually happening out here. And it's... I mean, yes, you have your individuals online who will raise, will be uncharitable and will, you know, call into question things that probably shouldn't be called into question. Um, or they say things that are false, I guess is what I should say. Um, but the, the vast majority of people are trying to live an authentically Catholic life and raise their children to be authentic Catholics. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there's like two members of the curia sitting eating pasta and being like ah il tutti sono americano cattolica di americano sono cowboys or something like yeah that. right you know, yeah exactly gonna, yeah they're just going like, like yeah like and you know you okay fine like the european church is the european church and it'll do its thing you know it's got to operate in the space of europe or not the or not, or, <laughs> or not. Or, like there's, there's the yeah. other idea it, it might yeah. just be us in africa and like it's like south america <laughs> parts <laughs> like, of south america yeah, <laughs> um, sure, sure. and so so that's the one point and that, that's like one thing and then the other point i, I have two other points that i want to make the the first one being the pope francis is really pushing this idea of synodality and trying to mend fences with the east mm-hmm um, almost in it, like in, in some places I've seen in a sense that there would be a certain level of sacramental unity with the East. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was the East right now, 
And I don't know what proposals are out there, but if I was the Eastern Orthodox right now, yeah, and I saw Pope Francis abrogating a traditional liturgy, a traditional rite mm-hmm. to unify it to this modern thing, I think the you should be looking at that and being like, eh, I don't know if I want to join up with that. We don't want uniformity, and we want to have our own thing, and we want it because it's ancient. Yeah. Um. So that's you guys had yeah. your own ancient right and it's not really popular among the higher-ups anymore yep yeah and so that's the one that was so i it's they seem to be talking out of both sides of their mouth kind of on this or Mm -hmm. i don't know there seems to be a disconnect between what is like being said over here and then how they're dealing with the trads Mm -hmm. um and then the last point i wanted to make was you and uh, our generation Mm -hmm is one of the last generations or one of the first generations not to be baptized in the old right. I don't know if you were. I wasn't. No. Yeah. And so yeah, maybe there were some... Deacon, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm behind so, the curve here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, we... I was thinking about this for my own kids. And so both of my, you know, my children have been baptized in the old right. And there's something very beautiful about the words and very powerful about the words of the baptism of the old, right? Yeah. And I think it's a little, I don't want to say unfair because I, I'm not trying to make this about justice, but it's short-sighted mm-hmm. to say, we're going to do away with the powerful prayers of the Latin baptism mm-hmm. and give up all of that. And that also, how many generations have gone, it's interesting. All the generations that have gone before us were baptized in that right. And mm. then we weren't. And then our generation is the one clamoring for to get back into it, to get yeah. back into that right. To have an exorcism, minor exorcism at the baptism. Yeah. The fact that they took that out, again, I don't know what the whole thought process behind that was. Yeah. But you might, again, it, it has this, even if you took the Latin rite, or the, you know, not Latin, right? The traditional, like pre Vatican II liturgy, and you just translated it all and just yeah. that. Because right. I will fully admit, sometimes when the priest is going on and on and on in Latin for some of these blessings, I'm just going, like, okay, guys, like, what is he saying? Can we just, yeah, can we just, can I just hear what he's saying. And yeah. so I can understand, I guess, some of the, like, I'm not, I, I don't like Latin as much as everyone thinks I do because I deal with my daily basis and I kind of hate it sometimes. And even in the liturgy, like sometimes you just wish it could be in English. And that's, I I think that's not something that's insignificant. However, even when you look at the translation, there's just a depth to the theology and the seriousness with which that sacrament is being taken. That again, I'm not arguing that post-Vatican II baptism are illicit or anything. Um, Of course not. But just the fact, like, why would you take out a minor exorcism? Like, yep. it, it goes back to the idea that you are under the dominion of Satan before yeah. you have baptism. That's the whole point of baptism. And so why wouldn't you have this extra layer of spiritual protection? And yes. you kind of go like, did you guys just not take that part seriously? Like, that, right. that's, that's what makes you wonder. Like, I mean, like, it's not saying it's illicit, but like the people who were writing this up were like, how seriously were you taking this? I mean, like. Yeah. An exorcism is an empower is an incredibly powerful spiritual weapon, and you guys are just kind of cutting yeah. this one out. Like, why? Leave yeah. it in. Okay, translate into English. I don't care. Do it. Yes, Fine. I don't care. Yeah. It's it's cool, but like, but keep all the keep all the symbology because mm-hmm. they even took out the part where the priests use salt, yeah, to represent salt of the earth. Like, there's all this stuff that meant so 
symbolically were so important. Yeah. To like ground you in what was happening and not, I mean, like I said, you know, we don't, I, I hate to keep, you know, reiterating that I'm, I don't deny the validity of anything that's happening now under the new right. But why would you take something that is so obviously Catholic and then water it down to the point where it could be any yeah. name your religion or just name your Christian like, religion. That's oh, Christian true. religion. Like, yeah. 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 Like any, any, yeah. any denomination, Christian denomination. It's yeah. I, did you hear that story about speaking of like, well, baptisms that are illicit. Um, uh, it's one of those things where people start fudging it and messing up the, do you hear about what happened to this priest in Michigan? I, I did. That, yeah. that is a crazy story. He's, he, he's ordained a priest. He's been a priest for like, I don't know, not more than like a year or so yeah. in Michigan. And he watches, you know, home video of his baptism and the deacon who's doing that baptism is he's not saying it right. Yeah. yeah. And so he just, he has to go through and receive all the sacraments again yeah. from the beginning. And they yeah. have to contact everyone who's been, I don't think baptized because baptized wouldn't count because baptism can be correctly performed by anyone. Well, it's a good question. Can a person who hasn't been baptized actually baptize? I don't know. But anyway, they have to go back yeah. and like they have to check everyone that is um, connected with them. And it's just it's yeah. like, and it's like when you look at like this, the old baptismal, right? Um, there's just, there's no way that you do something that stupid. You just, you'd stick to it. And again, I'm not against, like I mentioned, being idiosyncratic in this. I'm not against that you change things and that you evolve things. But yeah. there's certain parts of these liturgies that have been so like i don't know just not not useless or bad or something but just like they're not there's a there's a full symbolism to it that isn't present that needs to be put in that just adds it helps you understand the spiritual element better because of the use of that physical part but it was also something i wanted to point out those are a little bit interesting um with that whole kind of like Darth Vader quote from the document um, where he said, where at the end it says, but this is essentially that this having letting you guys have your thing. It's not an opportunity to promote the previous right. And I kind of was weirded out by the fact that they called it a previous right because it's not. Yeah. As far as I know, and someone wants to correct me and send us an email and tell me, no, it is a different right. But I was always under the impression that it's the extraordinary form of the Latin rite. Yeah. And it's the ordinary form of the Latin rite. And that a different yeah. rite is the Ruthenians or the Ukrainians yeah. or the Melkites. Even yes. the Anglican ordinariate, even yeah. their, their um, liturgy is still considered to be part of the Roman Latin Roman rite. Yeah. And so even they aren't part of a different right. And so I started like looking it up because I'm like, okay, is it just that it's just the English? And so I looked at the German part and it was Ritus and that's right in German. And the French is right, but probably pronounced like lazily with as far like or something. I don't know. (laughs) And then the Italian is Rito. Rito. And and so, so I looked up Rito and it was kind of frustrating because they didn't publish this thing in Latin. It was originally published in Italian. So there was no there was no Latin to go back to 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 go back to the you know the the very the the final layer of 
textuality to check that out. That's not there. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Italian because apparently that's the universal language of the church. <laughs> um, not that I'm against <laughs> Italian, but like, oh, wow, great. You guys are the ones who finally ended up like, <laughs> because you guys, because you Romans have been profiting from Christ's church for the past like 2000 years. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, we would have like the whole world would have been converted to Catholicism if the Curie had been based in France or England or Germany or like freaking Norway. Okay. <laughs> like it's like, um, but I looked up Rito. And Rito is ritual or right. And yeah. it can mean customer practice, but that's only when it's not put in a religious context. If it's in more of like you're talking about, I don't know, like your family, like sure. or something. Yeah, that's yeah. when it's being used. But in a religious religious context, which is what Rito was being used, it means right. Yeah. So I'm wondering what's going on here when they call it the previous right because it's technically not the previous right. It's a different iteration of the same right. I yeah. don't know what the deal what that is, what necessarily the significance of that is, but it doesn't seem like there seems to be when Benedict XVI talks about the hermeneutic of continuity, call it, it's like the Latin rite didn't at Vatican II sit down and we're like, guys, that's it. We're going to be a new rite. Like, no, you're still the Latin rite, no matter how much you change and how much of it is translated. Um, it's still the same rite. And that does really... I think maybe I'm answering my own question when I saw this. It's like, it really is like, it's a continuity with the past. There seems to be a rupture there because you're calling it a previous right. It's not a, like, yep. what are you, exactly are you guys saying? Well, as far as I so, know, it's not a previous right. So it's a, you're, you're bringing up an excellent point because they are disconnecting it from the past. They're trying to rewrite what has happened for the past, you know, since JP2 to present. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what Benedict said, Benedict said that this wasn't an attempt to placate. He said this wasn't an attempt to placate the SSPX mm-hmm. when he uh, wrote um, Samorum Pontificum. Mm-hmm. He said this was not an, this was never meant to be a concession to the traditionalist movement. This was always intended for the church to reclaim her liturgical heritage. Mm-hmm. And to make sure that it, it held on to it. It wasn't to try and make peace with the different sides. So he said this has a, a deeper meaning than just trying to make peace and to make concessions. So that's one thing that this new dubia response is making it seem like, oh, the, this entire time, this has just been about making concessions. And we're making that's what more it concessions. is now. Now it's that is about making right. concessions. Exactly. And then, um, so... Oh my gosh, I, ah, man, uh, there were two points that you made that I wanted to expound on. And the first being Benedict, and then the uh, second being that there's this, um, like that mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're doing this, you know, we've gotten to this point because, you know, we, we get, oh, I, I, I apologize. I, I've had to think hard about what I was trying to say. Okay. <laughs> the... Francis, at one point, I believe in um, TC, says, you know, we tried that we, you know, Benedict out of his ever love, his love tried to make this work. We tried to make it work, but it's just not working. So we're doing away with it. 
it was something that was sent paraphrased, but at, in the TC, that was an idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mean, it's, they need to have unity in the church and it's yeah. not working. Which that wasn't the purpose of Benedict. That wasn't Benedict's purpose. Yeah. Benedict was not attempting to create any kind of, like, I'm sure that would have been a nice like byproduct, mm-hmm. but Benedict was pretty clear in his intention to maintain liturgical heritage, to maintain the beauty of the mass and to maintain the um, beauty of the music of the mass. Mm-hmm. That was his goal. Yeah. And so it's disingenuous to make this about unity and to like, to make it seem like that, like this has all just been an attempt at unity or, you know, like it's like, it hasn't achieved its goal. It's achieved its goal. Yeah. There's more people than ever going to it and wanting to like that. Yeah, exactly. More people are going to it and we have re engaged with our liturgical heritage and we have re-engaged with Christ in a way in the sacrament that people just weren't doing in like in most cases. I mean, Mm -hmm. Obviously, we can't speak with too much of a broad stroke, but like certainly in my experience, it was rare to find a Novus Ordo priest who was like so good. Like I can, there, there were there, they were there, but it was much more common yes. to walk yeah. into your everyday parish and be kind of, you know, he raises you up on eagle's wings, and it's yeah. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So now you can go to one a diocese and probably find at least one. Yes, parish that's going to offer the TLM, and it's not yep. going to be an FSSP chapel. Exactly. Yeah, and it's 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 spread, and just I don't know. Just it seems like there's this very threatened vibe coming from these documents. Yep, that they're threatened by the fact that the old mass is still there. People see it, kind of in relief to the liturgy of the Novus Ordo, yeah. and they want something that. You know, it's a little more transcendental. Trans, yeah. You know, depicts with materials more correctly or more beautifully what's yeah. going on spiritually. And again, that's again to reiterate the point again, 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 again. It's not to say that there's not anything that the Novus Ordo is illegitimate. Of course, yeah. it's not not saying that. I go to the Novus Ordo like almost every day. Yeah, but it's to say that it just there's this threatened vibe to it because you can see that there are accidental qualities that are severely deficient yep. in the general way that the Novus Ordo is, is offered. Now you could change things up a lot and make sure. it better. Um, you could use like incense at all your liturgies. You could institute a lot of chant. You could do it. Yep. You could do a bunch of the different stuff in Latin. And it could all be interesting. Move the tabernacle to the back of the, to the center of the yeah. sac- sacrament, uh, the, sanctuary mm-hmm. uh, like i mean if your parish doesn't already do that but like most post vatican two churches i've been to moved it to the side yeah. the, the tabernacle it's like mm-hmm. like all this stuff like just christ-centered get it yep. christ-centered yep and even but i think even if you put in all those changes you would still eventually want to think back and be like do we want to add in the prayers at the foot of the altar do yeah. you want to add in more of the psalms do we want to add in um a more stringent um, purification cycle for yep. the for the sacred vestment for no, for, the, for the chalice and for the zivorium. Do we want to ba- add in the sacred digits where the priest yep. has to keep his index and thumb closed until they've been purificated? Right, and it's like I will be the first to admit the sacred digits is clearly over the top, but it's over the top 
to demonstrate how important the Eucharist is. Yeah. And it's again, is, are you really actually like stopping like particles of the Eucharist from falling to the floor? I mean, maybe perhaps I've never done that. So I can't say, but it's that image of we're going to go above and beyond yeah. Like what's needed in order to make sure that reverence is offered. Yep. So yeah, that, that part is, uh, you know, you could, you can use some of those changes, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think like, I think we mentioned this in the last episode. Um, the last time we were talking about this, um, when Andrew, I was talking to Andrew about this seminary and Andrew, not your brother, Andrew. Um, that it's like, hey, I mean, a lot of these priests were all gung ho to go, or seminarians, I should say, were all gung ho to go say the Latin Mass, are now turning around and they're just like, nope. Well, guess what? Guess how I'm going to offer the Novus Lordo, Ordo, guys? Like, surprise, surprise, you get to see my back. <laughs> that's it. That's how it's going. Because that's, that's actually it. the prop. See, what a lot of people don't realize that's actually the rubrics for the Novus Ordo. Like Adorientum is built into the rubrics for the new mass. And I, right. No, I'm just, somebody recalled a bunch of my books from the library oh. these books that I need. And I'm like, I'm going to war with them. Nah. <laughs> like, sorry. I've just got distracted by that. Like, oh, I'm, no worries. No worries. I'm going, I'm going to war, man. We're going to war. <laughs> like, <laughs> you cannot like, why are you? Okay, never mind. Twitter, continue on. Sorry, sorry, I'm not. Gonna, oh, no worries. I mean, just that. Later. I mean, you you mentioned that the the seminarians were like, well, guess how I'm going to say the mass? You're going to see my back. People don't realize, ad orientum is a legitimate way to say the Novus Ordo. Yeah, like that's actually kind of the way it was intended. Yeah, like yeah. so. So it's it's funny. Um, um, Andrew said at um seminary, uh, Charles yeah. Barmail, they did kind of a debate club sort mm-hmm. of thing. This is a couple of years ago. They did a debate club um, uh, similar to CBDS that we were all a part of. Mm-hmm. And the resolution they were going to run, they're thinking of running, was like resolved. Um, it's better to say the Nos Ordo Ad Orientem. And they couldn't run the debate because they couldn't find anyone who was con. Gosh. All the seminaries were just like, yeah, duh. Yeah, of course that's the way we want to offer it. Yeah. And this is before all this other stuff goes down. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And this is like, and then you're like, okay, well, that's uh, that's interesting. Also, because Barameo, I mean, granted, is more a conservative um, seminary, but yeah. it's pulling from dioceses oh. across the eastern seaboard. Yep, it's not just one. It's not just Philly. It's not yeah. just Arlington. It's a yeah. lot of different places. It's all across the eastern seaboard, yep. and most of these guys are just like, no, we we, we want this formality to it. Yeah. Um, and then I forget who it is who's made the point about Adriantum is just like, guys, it's more clerical, has more clericalism to have the versus popolum or ad popolum because it's kind of putting the priest up there as this figure who's doing the thing and you're there kind of sitting there watching him do the thing yep. as opposed to when he's Adriantum, he's like Moses at the head of the chosen people of Israel. And yeah. You all have a royal priesthood and you are all together as one offering the mass yes, together with the priest. Yep. You know, I think it was Phil when he was on, who's the Ruthenian 
um, subdeacon. Now I think he's a deacon. Um, he's Ukrainian, right? Yes, Ukrainian. Yep. He's subdeacon, then he's deacon. Um, I believe now he's thinking, yeah, correct. But he was talking about like the priest really, like, I mean, it'd be interesting to talk more about this idea, but like, you know, the priest is kind of like he's in the best sense of the word, the, like kind of like the prayer leader. Yeah. Of everyone, you know, he's there leading everyone through the sacrifice because you are also offering the yep. sacrifice of the master divine liturgy. Yeah. Not in the same way, obviously, but you, you're still participating in that. And yep. of course, then the, the, you know, the Ruthenians and the Ukrainians are, I believe also at Orientem still, like, obviously you can't see him because there's a door in the way and there's a wall in yeah. the way, but right. still the same concept. So it's, uh, so now I think, you know, it's very interesting. I, I personally had not seen anything public from either the USCCB or any individual bishops who were saying that they were going to start instituting the TC strictly. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them, even the more what would be considered liberal progressive bishops, probably didn't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole at this point. Yeah. They, they probably did not want to rattle that cage in their diocese. Um, and it was probably really messy. I mean, you have these priests who, have in, who, you know, who have integrated large parishes of both the extraordinary and the ordinary form of the mass. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell these guys, oh, no, you, you have to split the parish now. And all of like, or I mean, now the hope, I pray. Mm -hmm. That if this does come down, that anybody who attends Latin mass stays with their parish and helps grow the parish and, you know, keeps it strong. Doesn't like, go don't, to the SSP. Don't, I mean, or that's not SSP quite the, I, I don't think that that's the answer. I think. No. But because popes come, also popes come and go. Like yeah. that's, so if, how easy it was for Benedict to institute this, how easy it is for Francis to institute it, how easy will it be for the next pope to change it to? Yeah. Um, which I don't like the fact that it's so easily changed from the top, no. like at a whim, not without even calling like a synod or a, you know, a council even to say, this is how we're, I mean, what we call the Vatican council. It's like, okay, but it's, it's not working yeah, largely. So let's, you know, maybe you need to call another gathering on liturgy. Yeah, um, be nice. But so that's, um, yeah. So hopefully everybody sticks together. Um, and also, so I didn't see anybody respond immediately after the TC. I've heard that something that some dioceses might have new instructions beginning in January, but mm -hmm. nobody's nobody like in the none of the bishops are talking about it even publicly. Yeah, it's I, I think this is something that they really are uncomfortable with being told what to do in this instance yeah. even if they agree with it yeah because even like they're talking about like the french bishops yeah the, the french bishops don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole either because yeah. their their um attendance rates at mass are so astronomically low yeah and the latin mass communities that are in those dioceses are disproportionately yep. the groups that are attending at a regular basis yep so they can clearly see which way the wind is blowing, which apparently, yeah. I guess, it doesn't seem like the Vatican can. Yeah. And they're just like, no, I mean, like, this is, I mean, financially, they're, it's, it's something spiritually, yeah. 
you know, is an important part. Um, oh, I, I think 100%. Yeah. And I think also it's important to realize, though, especially though, what this is, this whole thing has taught me is more of the subsidiary subsidiary process in Catholicism is I think sometimes um, we think to ourselves, you know, we can just get in. If we can just get in Pius the 13th, man, he's going to like get in front of all the curia and start saying knock, knock. And it's going to be yep. great, dude. It's going to be like freaking Jude Law is going to go crazy on him. He's <laughs> sitting around in the papal apartment, smoking cigarettes, doing these weird twisty exercises. <laughs> it's going to be great, <laughs> man. Like, like yeah. no, it's, but, but I think it really is important to realize that like the bishop can make your life hell if he wants to. Yes. And he can help, I don't want to say shield you, but he has a better grasp of his own flock in some ways yep. than the Pope does or the Vatican does. And that and that's why that's why we have bishops. Yeah. That's the purpose. That's their job. Yeah. Like there's a reason why we don't just have one pope who's the bishop of like the entire world and there's nobody else. It's because that's not reasonable. You yeah, that that's why Christ instructed his disciples and apostles to set up churches and that's why they set up churches in all these different cities yeah it's really important and it yeah. doesn't matter if we just get in you know the cardinal Seurat type pope. yeah like obviously that would be nice oh, but sure. that doesn't necessarily change stuff because it really is very much at the local diocesan level where a lot yes. of things happen it's like that that's scene, it's that scene from band of brothers it's towards the end of the series when they have to cross the river yeah. And to try to grab a, a prisoner or try to grab a German so they can get information and they yeah. do it one night and they get it and they almost like either they do suffer a casualty or they almost suffer a casualty. Yeah. I forget what. And then the major comes in and was like, oh, great work, Captain Captain Winters. Well, you're going to send your men out there again next night. We're going to get more information on these on these Germans. And then the, all the guys are just like, you got to be kidding. me! You're going to do this shit again. Right. And, and so then they meet with Winters and Captain Winters is like, all right, so what's going to happen is you guys are all going to go to bed and I'm going to report to the major that <laughs> it was we went, we tried to grab someone and it was unsuccessful. That's what it's yeah. going to be. And because he has a better read on his own men, and on his own company than yeah. than the major does. Yeah. It's kind of like when the, the diocesan bishop is like, guys, like I know, like, like Pope, I know you want me to do this, but to the point where you were not going to allow these guys to print their mass times yeah. in the bulletin. Like this guys, it's literally a bridge too far. Yes. Oh, my flock. They know me. And this is just crazy. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with it. It'll be, it, it will be curious as to how this, this will play out um, within the next 10 years or so, but well, even the next 10 days, <laughs> that's a fair point. Why do they always put these things out on Saturday? It's like I, I a Saturday. It's like, guys, yeah. what, you you have to know that this is not workable. That yeah. everyone's gonna freak out and text their priest and text their chancellery office and be like, "Okay, can we have mass tomorrow?" Yep. Like it's just it's dumb. Like that's it is and kind of rude to be honest. It's it like, is. It was very. You know what yeah. we're, what what like you, you can't be that oblivious. You can't have been spending that much time behind a desk in the curia <laughs> that you don't understand that everyone is getting ready for mass the next day like you can't you can't be the priest is like writing his sermon for like, <laughs> like you cannot be that disconnected from reality yeah. and like in, oh, like oh you, wait what's saturday that's when i take my stroll among the vatican gardens like that's, yes, that's what right. are you talking about like oh, like no, it's so it's difficult <laughs> what do you mean what do you mean oh, what oh you're you're 
<laughs> in between uh, writing your sermon and giving anointing to the sick, you don't have time to like deal with a massive pastoral change coming down. Yeah, like, we, <laughs> what do you mean? You, where, where, where's your JD and canon law? Yeah, oh, man, everyone's got a JD and canon law. <laughs> <laughs> um, Speed run that, man. Come on. <laughs> Um, but yeah it'll, i mean january 1 if that is when a lot of these dioceses start making changes mm-hmm. it's going to be fascinating to see what changes those are yeah and what's going to be sad is if you have major dioceses big ones with you know more progressive more tapped in to the curry of bishops i.e chicago give like a general ban on the Latin mass yeah. and you can't go to Latin mass in the entire archdiocese of Chicago, but, and then you, ha- on the flip side, and then you have like Arlington or Richmond, which is like kind of slow walking. It. it is like, you know, well, or establishing oratories, you know, like doing things like Something, that, where it's yeah. like, you know, we're going to find a way to get around this so we can continue to have the Latin mass. So to give a quick update, um, I do know my, um, my uh, sister-in-law's sister. Okay. Uh, their parish had a Latin mass, and now the priests have already said they can't do it anymore. Whoa. Yeah. The Chicago. Parish, it's, it's Yeah. Well, because it's, it's supage. So it's, oh, it's, al- so, it's already done. In so Chicago's already done it. Chicago's already going pretty hardcore in that direction. Everyone, I think a lot of the priests can read the writing in the, on the wall. Um Cantius, John Cantius will probably still be there because it's its own thing. It's like one yeah. of those specific churches. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's one of those like personal parishes, you might say, or oratories. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's you know, it's I think it's Institute of Christ the King that runs yeah. it. Right. And what what's really clear about the this dubia and the original document is that it really wants to stop having the Latin mass in the parish context. Yeah, because I think it's worried about kind of cross pollination between the two. Which yep, I don't understand why, but you know, whatever. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't run the. I don't what run people the, developing run a personal like uh, devotion to the liturgy? Oh no, we yeah, have no. that. <laughs> um, okay, that's interesting to know that Chicago is already uh, making noise. Nothing. Yeah, like like I said, Richmond. I have not seen or heard anything through any means. Um, did you guys, Andrew, did you guys have mass on Sunday? We did. Okay. Did they yep. mention it at all or talk about it? Or Nothing was said. And oh, it was kind of, I, it is so weird. And I don't know if this is just because like I knew what was happening and I was projecting mm-hmm. my like feelings on the room. Mm-hmm. But during the sermon, there was almost this like feeling in the, you could almost feel like that there was almost like this elephant in the room. Yeah, but the, the the priest did not address it. Interesting. He kept it very positive about Christmas and being joyful in the upcoming, you know, uh, Christmas season and everything mm-hmm. like that. And just, but mm-hmm. you now, I will say there is a fraternity parish that a family member goes to, mm-hmm. and prior during this, before he did the proper sermon, he did say that for them and this is in richmond the diocese of richmond um because their fraternity they're not really falling underneath all of this but they're but it is kind of weird about like the the sacraments yeah that's and things like that so yeah yep so 
I think it's kind of like uh, wait until further notice sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's the rest of Richmond too. I, I'm not saying that I think Richmond's going to be like, you know, nothing's going to change. I, I have a feeling things might, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't heard anything yet about like what's going to happen at the parish level. Yeah. Well, they announced it in our, um, in my parish. And it's funny. I walked into mass. Yeah. Well, there was like this, you know, there's a long line people going to confession which is always funny because it's always a you know latin masses there's like a ton of people who all have to go to confession and i can make eye contact with this one woman who's in line and we're just like we can both see that we're both going just like yeah this sucks (laughs) we're just both just like yeah both just both looked very worried at least i assume i looked worried but they uh the pastor uh who doesn't say the latin mass at our parish he came came up in the at the beginning and was essentially saying, like, look, I don't know how to speak Latin and think myself, okay. I'm like, Father, nobody knows how to speak Latin. Yeah. <laughs> not even, not even like the father who's saying the mass. I mean, he might no. know how to speak it a little bit, but not fluently. No. And I know how to speak it maybe just a tiny bit, but like yes. whatever. Um, but he's sitting there and he's just saying, like, yeah, no, I'm gonna we're gonna, he's like, I'm gonna, we're gonna try to do everything we can to keep the Latin mass here at the parish. And that the bishop has said that this is a good parish and that he wants to keep it. So I think he, I think the bishop will institute uh, the same article, what our canon eighty seven or forty seven, and yep. just say nope, no, just yeah. We went across Come the and river. Take it. <laughs> we went across the river to regain uh, to get a prisoner, and we were unsuccessful in that. And that's okay. what I'm going to send out to my superiors. So we'll see. Um, yeah, that's I. It'll be fascinating to see how this all plays out but yep um all right well we'll keep praying for the church it's true and i've got dude i just like looked at all these books like i've got like a hundred books i have to return in january i have to get a u-haul to take it to the library (laughs) i mean i once did i filled up a clothes basket like not a small one big one full of books and then another box full of library books and i put them both in my car because they're going to be due when I was mm. in Italy. And yeah. so what you do is I've had some of these books out for three years, but every year you have to bring them in and then they check yeah. the books out and then they check them back into you. Mm-hmm. And so I walk up to this poor librarian and I'm just like, muscles are aching because I'm probably carrying over I don't know, 100, 150 pounds of, of books. I mean, you could, yeah. you could probably try deadlifts. I mean, I mean, it'd be a good deadlifts workout, to be honest. <laughs> um, it was pretty heavy and it was hurt and it hurts your joints. And yeah. she just looks at it and all and she's just like, it would be easier for both of us if I just check all your books in and check all your books out just here on the screen without actually physically like, burp, burp. Like, yeah, right. Like, thank you, you. Just mass do it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, that's what I wanted. And then it was other time and I had, it was going on vacation and there was this other librarian. I was just like, she was, I was just like, yeah, like I, I don't have the books with me, but can you check them in and check them out for me really quick? That'd be easy. And she's like, well, I'm not really supposed to do that. And then I do this like, oh man, like I got all these books going on a vacation. You got like, I'm going out of state. I'm going to be visiting my parents. I'm going to yeah. be like talking to my brothers who I haven't seen. Like, oh, gee, can you just, can you just please, like, you know, hell? she's like, okay, I'll make an exception. I'm like, thanks whatever very good <laughs> you. Like, so that's what you do. yeah i mean you gotta that's be great. nice to the librarians they, they, uh, be nice to the librarians and make up a story yep, yep. <laughs> not make up a story but elongate you the know. story yeah 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 all right all right let's get out of here
Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and cheers. Cheers.